Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. We are continuing our conversation about Dwell with Dignity. I just got done with their founder and board chair, Lisa Robinson. We now turn to Ashley Agnew-Sharp. Executive Director of the organization. How are you? I am great. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, I didn't know anything about this organization when we started, and I have learned a lot in the past half hour. Speaking with the founder is always a great way to figure out how the organization started, what you wanted it to be, those kind of things, the broad look. When you bring in the Executive Director, you're able to really kind of talk details. From your perspective, what does Dwell with Dignity do? Dwell with Dignity changes lives. I see it every time I go to a reveal. So the great thing about Dwell with Dignity is that it's the most hands-on nonprofit that I have ever been a part of. So my entire career has been in nonprofit management. So I have a master's degree in that. I started working off in the arts, then switched to social services, and then I wanted a way to be able to combine my creative artistic side with my management side and found this amazing life-changing opportunity for myself at Dwell with Dignity. And I have never been part of a nonprofit that is so hands-on. You know, some places say, oh, well, we need volunteers. No, Dwell with Dignity really needs volunteers. We really need support. The work that we're doing has to be done by human hands. And that's what makes it so interesting and personal is that the people who come through the doors at Dwell with Dignity actually touch the work that we do and the families. So it's like nothing else I've ever experienced. Did you say that you got a master's in nonprofit I have a master's degree in nonprofit management, correct. So you knew that this is going to be where you wanted to be. Oh, absolutely. I knew my entire life that I wanted to do nonprofit. Was service and nonprofits, was that part of growing up for you? It was. So when I grew up, I was actually a performer. I was a dancer. And I loved being part of the theatrical scene. And then I started working behind the stage. And that was so fascinating because I was exposed to things like fundraising and marketing and public relations. And so I was able to take kind of a burgeoning career and push into a whole new direction because now I could support other artists. So it wasn't just about myself personally. It was about how can I change other people's lives? And so it just became a great career path for me. That's not something that a lot of young people actually notice, and it certainly isn't something that a lot of people, young people at least, want to latch on to. It's pretty amazing that you found that early and were able to make that switch, and you were able to really focus your life uh, in that area. You said that you worked for a few different nonprofits, and it seems to be organizations that all kind of lead you to dwell with dignity. You said you worked in the arts, 
and you've worked in a couple of different areas, but now you are here. Did you did you know about Dwell with Dignity before you came to it? Yes, I absolutely knew about Dwell with Dignity. I was a huge fan of the work that they were doing. And actually, the agency that I worked with before, Interfaith Family Services, was a partner agency of Dwell with Dignity. So I knew them quite well. So you knew them in and out. I did. Yes, correct. Talk to me about your design background. Are... Did you have a lot of experience with interior design and stuff like this? Pretty much zero interior design experience. I have a great love of aesthetics and fashion. Okay. And that's kind of carried me into design, but I have learned so much in my time at Dwell with Dignity. Was that a good thing or a bad thing, in your opinion, kind of not really having a background? Oh, I actually think it was a really good thing because I was really focused on the business side. And so instead of trying to insert myself on the design side, which was very well covered, I mean, between Lisa and our amazing volunteer team and our program director, interior designer, that was really well taken care of. So that I can kind of take a step back and focus on leadership team management, development, marketing, and look at it more holistically without wanting to get my hands too dirty on the design side. You really enjoy being behind the scenes. I really do, yes. This is where you're you're most comfortable. I am, absolutely. It's interesting. Let's talk about the, the basics of the organization and how it really rolls out. We learned in the last half hour that the families that you guys get are referred to you. And then I'm guessing there's kind of a tryout How do you pick the families that are going to be a part of Dwell with Dignity? Yeah, so it's a really great process because we have these super close relationships with these agencies. And so we get to know these case managers intimately. They come to every reveal. They're friends of ours. We've worked together for years. And so when they refer a family, we know that they're referring quality candidates, which is fantastic for us. But even then, we don't accept every single candidate that's referred. We just simply can't. You know, we can only do 24 families a year. That's basically one every other week. So we have really limited availability. So we want to give this, basically it's a gift. We invest about $37,000 per family that, that we serve. That didn't come up yet. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. $37,000 per 37, family and you're doing one every other week. That's correct. So it's a really big investment. So we want to make sure that the families that are referred and are accepted understand the importance of this and how really it can change their life. So we do go through very carefully every single nomination we get to see what kind of job do they have? What program did they go through? How long were they in the program? What their goals are for the future? So we really look at the entire family unit before we accept someone into the program. Is there a number of different organizations that refer to you, that refer for you guys? Do you prefer to only work with a certain number of groups when it comes to this? Because this is a lot of money. It's very time consuming and it's important. I'm understanding more and more the importance of making sure that who you are giving this service to is really going to appreciate it and use it in the way that it should be used. So currently we have about seven or eight referring partner agencies, and we're always on the lookout for more. So if you are interested in that, please do visit our website, dwellwithdignity.org, and there is more information under FAQs. But we really love having these close relationships with the case managers. It really does help us throughout our process. You said you're doing about 24 homes a year? We do about 24 homes a year, correct. I mean, it's going to be hard to fit any more in there. But in your expert opinion, is this where the organization should be. Do you want to see it get bigger? Do you want to see it shrink? Would it be easier if you did a few less? How do you view that? I would absolutely love to see growth in the organization. So what's really interesting is right now we're really plugged into Dallas County. 
but there's so much opportunity in Tarrant County and Collin County. So I would love to partner with more agencies. You know, we've spoken to some agencies out in Fort Worth, but that means that we would need more funding to be able to have another warehouse, more staff. People want to donate to us every single day, furniture, items, decor, but we really do need financial support to be able to expand our operations in a way that we could serve 30 to 40 families a year. And there is that need out in the community. And so the more that we can do, the more lives we can change. How long have you been with the organization? For roughly a year and a half now. How has it changed since you have shown up? I'm trying to figure out when the organization kind of exploded. It started in 2009. It's got a relatively large staff, I would say, seven seven people, and then your volunteer force. There must have been a time when it started to really grow. You've been here for a year and a half. What have you seen in that time? I have seen so much great change. And I think what's really taken off is the community recognition of Dwell with Dignity. And so we've always had a wonderful, loyal volunteer base, and the design community has always been really passionate about what we do. We're kind of the rallying cause. We're their nonprofit. They understand us. They love to get involved with what we do. But being able to reach a broader audience, uh, last year we were named the best place to donate by D Magazine. Mm. which is a huge honor for us. So now we've really gotten outside of our bubble and we're starting to hit more and more people. And so the more that we can expand our touch and our reach, the more that we can do. Has getting the word out, has that been something that you have been focused on in your time there? Absolutely. So January of last year, we brought on a new communications manager. And so nowadays, as you know, Instagram, Facebook, stories, social media is the most important thing that we can do right now to be able to reach people. And we have so much amazing content. I mean, the work that we're doing is so vibrant and illustrative of what we end up doing in the family homes that people love to see the volunteers actually putting up the drapes and moving the couches and making the art. So our communications manager has her hands full every single day because she loves to get that content out. This is a TV show. Are you guys looking at doing more, whether it be through social media or, I mean, honestly, a television show? There's a lot here that you guys, there's a lot of uh, story mining that you guys have right there at your fingertips. So there definitely is a lot of opportunity, especially, again, because we are so visual. I think that's something that's really nice about it, though, is that it is intimate and personal, and it really respects the families who come through the process. So... We don't want to exploit anyone, and so we're really grateful that the families who come through trust us as much as they do, especially given the trauma that they've been through in their lives. That's why it's really important to us that the program director and the interior designer are on staff because there's a lot of nuance and training that goes into being able to speak to these families. Uh, Oftentimes they have barriers up, and they're not really willing to let new people into their lives, and so it really helps to have people who are really skilled in that area. How, what was that process like for you, having to kind of communicate these ideas in a certain way that was respectful, but it's also a super fun process for all involved? Where have where have you found uh, that line working for the organization? How does that work out for you? Yeah, I think that I have a three-year-old son, um, and I have just a real heart for families. And so I think that when you really focus on the children, that it helps you to realize that these are lives that you're touching Mm. and that this just isn't another project, but that every single family who comes in there is unique and individual. And so you just treat them with as much love and respect as you would anyone else. And 
really make sure that the experience that they're getting from the first time that you meet them until you let them in their new home is one that is really respectful. And, you know, we talk about dignity a lot, but that lets them lead a life of dignity and makes them feel like they have all the resources in the world that everyone else has. Does the organization focus on kids when they are designing the home? Obviously, it's for everyone involved. It's for the parent. It's for the child. But you kind of mentioned it. In the back of everyone's mind when they're redesigning the home, are the kids kind of the primary focus? You know, a lot of the family spaces are very child focus, but we make sure that the moms have their own serene oasis. I always love seeing the mother's rooms. Uh, We do mostly deal with single mothers, and a requirement of the program is that you have children in the house under the age of 18. So the reason that we're really focused on children is because we're focused on ending that generational cycle of poverty. Mm. So it's not just, okay, we're helping one person. No, we're helping an entire family unit. And then that's going to bleed down into their children and their children. And so when they see success, they can emulate it. Because you can't do what you haven't seen before. You can't dream dreams if you haven't been given a guide map. And so we do make sure that the mother has her own room and that she has a beautiful bed and a desk and a little area where she can go. And, I mean, I'm a mother. Sometimes you need a little alone time, and that's okay, just to kind of recharge and get your energy back up. But, yes, especially the, the furniture that we use, the linens, things like that, everything is very Family friendly. It brings up a good question. Who gets more excited by the final product, the parents or the kids? I mean, my favorite is seeing the kids come in and see their new spaces and they're jumping on the couches, they're rolling on the beds. I mean, it's amazing because, again, some of these families have been living in shelters or cars. They haven't had a bed to roll on. And again, I have I have kids. I understand. I see it. That's their favorite thing to do. And we want to make sure that they have an environment that lets them be a kid for once. Mm. You touched on it uh, just a little bit. What kind of circumstances are these families coming from when people are finally at the point where they're going to receive help from Dwell with Dignity? What have they been through? So the families that we serve have been through some of the most dire circumstances that I could ever describe. So uh, domestic violence, abuse, homelessness, illness, loss of children. I mean, Anything that you can think of, these families have experienced. And so that's why it's really important for us to get to know each family individually because every family has trauma. Every family has faced difficulties. And so the more that we know about them, the more that we can tailor this experience to really help them through the process. Ashley Agnew Sharp is the executive director of Dwell with Dignity, their website, dwellwithdignity.org. We learned in the previous segment that you mostly work in apartments. You've done a few houses. I think that you guys have a house currently in the works. We do. Roughly two bedrooms, and you do the entire space, right? We do the entire space. The only thing that we don't do is that we don't paint the walls. Don't paint the walls. Why don't you do that? Oftentimes, the residents are renting the units, and we don't want to put any burden on them to have to change it back if they leave the apartment. Actually, I didn't even think about this. Apartments, landlords are involved. How do landlords view this process? If I'm the landlord, I am stoked that this is happening. Yes, most landlords do love the process. Uh, A lot of times, because we're working with families from the same agencies, Mm -hmm. they'll end up in similar complexes or neighborhoods because they know each other or they have relationships, and so they're able to find these places and kind of live near each other. But, you know, we've done some wide-reaching places, and every time that we've gone in, we've had wonderful experiences with the landlords 
So it's been really positive. How long does this process typically take? We kind of touched on it previously, but uh, you're, you're doing a lot of these. Every other week you're starting a new process. That doesn't mean that it's actually done in that amount of time. What, what, what is typical for Dwell Dignity? So the way that it has been working over the past year and a half is we do our reveals where we bring the family home, kind of like the move that bus type thing on Extreme Home Makeover. Right. And so we have all the volunteers and supporters inside. We say, okay, welcome to your new house and everyone cheers. So that's on a Thursday at 530. So basically every other Thursday at 530. Then the next morning, the program director and the interior designer meet the next family. And it is a week and two days wow. until the next home is installed. Hustle, hustle, hustle. It is. It is nonstop over at Dwell with Dignity. The stress like that can be good. It can also be tiring. You, you guys are on a schedule. You got a lot of, you're spinning a lot of plates. Does the organization thrive on, on that timeline? Do you guys like that kind of feeling of, of stress isn't really a great word, but in this situation, there's that, it's a, it's a crunch. You got to make sure that you get it done. Do you guys like that? You know, everyone who's on staff really thrives in that situation. And it's interesting because the team that's there right now works so beautifully together. And it's amazing just the communication and the friendship that exists between the staff there. It's like nothing else I've ever seen before. And so they all just, you know, put their noses down and get it done. And I love being part of the process. Do you remember your first reveal? I do remember my first reveal. What was that experience like? Uh, talk to me about that situation. So I sobbed, <laughs> of course. So it's like, again, it's like nothing else that you've ever experienced. So when you're growing up, your parents just took care of all that stuff for you. Your bedroom was already there. You had dressers and they came through and they cleaned out your stuff and folded all your clothes. But with these families, they've never had dressers. They never had a place to put their shoes. And so my very first installation, I was actually one of the volunteers on it. Mm. And so it was even more life-changing for me because I helped put it together. And so I really valued the experience of being part of the process. Yesterday, I went grocery shopping and, you know, one of my colleagues and I had two grocery carts, spent lots of money at Walmart getting the groceries to the families. But it's such a rewarding experience to actually touch it. And again, like you said, I'm behind the scenes a lot, but I love being with the volunteers and doing the work. And then when you put it all away, you've built the tables, you've hung the art. So you see your own handiwork and mm. then a family comes in and appreciates it. It's like nothing else. You're doing a lot of these reveals. Does it does it ever become normal? Do you ever get normal to seeing this process happen? Oh, absolutely not. And I think the reason why is because every family has a different story. Mm. And that's what's so interesting is finding out about the families. And something that our program director does that I really love is every time there's a new family, she writes their names, their ages, and a little bit about them on this blackboard over at the studio. So all the volunteers know exactly who they're working for. How important is that? Oh, it's incredibly important because it makes the volunteers feel connected to the family. So they're not just connected to dwell with dignity, but they also have an investment in the future of this family, and that really changes things. That's interesting. So you would say that the allegiances that people, whether they're employees or volunteers, it's not necessarily to the organization dwell with dignity. It's to the families that they help. That's the, the motivation. I think that every single person there loves Dwell with Dignity, but we all are very invested in helping our neighbors and that we all have a really strong sense of community and that drives us. Ashley Agnew Sharp is the executive director of Dwell with Dignity. Their website, dwellwithdignity.org, thrift 
Studio is coming up on April 1st at 6 p.m. over at International at Turtle Creek. Talk to me about what this event is. I believe it's the biggest one that you guys have on the calendar. It's a big one for you guys. Thrift Studio is the event. So we have a series of parties that lead up to it. So Thrift Studio is like nothing else that I've ever experienced because it is a fundraiser that sells amazing designer goods at starting at 60% off and going all the way to sometimes 80% off. And so we get these donations throughout the year. We collect them at our warehouse. And then we get these world-class designers to come in, use the stuff that we have, as well as the stuff that they have from their vendors, their friends, their personal showrooms, and create these beautiful vignettes. And then we have this huge party on Wednesday, April 1st. It's called the Preview Party. And we sell tickets. People line up two hours before to be the first one in to get these deals. That's how amazing they are. So people are not only helping out Dwell with Dignity and the families that are a part of it, they're actually going home with really nice furniture. I will say that most of my house <laughs> was purchased at Thrift Studio. That's actually, you know what, we could, we could just go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about your living space. You said that you didn't really know much about interior design. But I did not. You've been here for a year and a half. How important is this now in your personal life? How has this affected your space? Oh, it's incredibly important to me. One of my favorite moments was our program director came over and restaged my entire living space. <laughs> because and you had done it wrong? Like, did you need help? Was she just like, no, I, this is not. And I then, needed some help, okay. yes. All right. And you can be honest about yes, it here. There were little things. Like, I didn't hang the art or the mirrors at the right level. I always hung it too high. She said that's too high? something right. that most people do is that they okay. hang their art and their mirrors too high. Fair enough. That makes sense. And, you know, she busted out the tape measure. And she's like, well, you need a foot and a half here and you need two feet here. And she went room by room and redid my house. It's wow. great. Did it actually feel better when it oh was Oh, my done? gosh. It's amazing. And so now I'm so proud of my space. But, yes, it was Thanks to her. And I mean, there's rules about the rugs and having legs of the chairs and there's sofas a lot on the rugs. Like, there is so much and stuff, right? There is a lot of measuring, um, a lot of just spatial awareness. So, are you picking up on this stuff when oh, you absolutely. walk into friends' homes or when you walk into an office space? Are you kind of picking it apart now? Are you at that point? I am. And some people have actually asked me to come help them now, uh-huh. which is the greatest endorsement ever. So, the well student has become the master. <laughs> You've Abs- learned how to do this. Is it something bit. that you have, were you kind of surprised at how interesting or how much you like that aspect of it? You know, because I've always loved fashion and design in that sense, I didn't realize how little I knew about interior design. I kind of thought that the two of them kind of went hand in hand, and now I'm realizing that it's a completely different I was world. just going to ask that. So you, w- I, would, I would say that fashion and interior design are very similar. You're saying that's not actually the case? There are similarities, but I, again, as you alluded to, it's it's the math and the specifications mm. of putting a home together that I think are really interesting. And, you know, you're dressing just your body in fashion. Uh, when you are thinking about the home as a whole and you're trying to unite 2,700 square feet through design yeah. and keeping a through line and it's all about measurements and dimensions and it's just such a fascinating process. I love learning about it. An organization like this has to have partners. You have to have a lot of people that are yes. going to help. Uh, we won't even talk about the volunteers right now. Just your 
partner agencies, and then people donating, people that are taking the time, whether they're designers or whether they are donating stuff or you guys have a huge warehouse. How big did you say your warehouse is? Roughly 10,000 square feet. So nice and small. Yeah, it is. Real it's intimate, really tiny. <laughs> intimate space. Is it actually like a well-designed Oh, it's incredibly warehouse. beautiful. Warehouse? Does it yes. look nice? Oh, it's so beautiful. People come in That's and say, hilarious. this is a warehouse? <laughs> and we're like, yes, everything is, again, it's all about the through lines. Everything is beautifully designed with a united color palette. It's great. That's amazing. How are people helping out the organizations? When we talk about um, people that are donating or partners, how do they do that? And what are the things that they are doing to help Dual Dignity move forward? Yeah. So like you said, other than the volunteers, which are incredibly important, there's really two main ways to donate. So one is obviously by donating items. So there is a form on our website, dwellwithdignity.org. And so if there is something in your home, a case good that is wood, a dresser, chairs, artwork, mirrors, things like that, please do consider making a donation to Dwell With Dignity. So we do have a pickup service. So our warehouse manager will come and pick up the items. And those things are so important to us because we put about seven to eight refurbished DIY items in every single home. Hmm. So that's a big part of the personalization that we do is taking these items that, you know, maybe it's a bed for a toddler that they've outgrown. Well, we'll take that, we'll sand it, we'll refinish it and paint it and put it in a home. And it's made just for them. And so anyone... yeah, I was going to say, it's not like in that situation, you're definitely getting good stuff. So oh, it's, amazing it's not stuff. necessary to do all the extra work that you're doing it to not. it. It's, but it's what the organization does, and that's kind of what separates it, so right? So what we like to say is that we go deep, not wide. So there's some organizations out there who would just go to Target, get $1,000, buy a bunch of stuff, and put it in someone's home. But that's not what we do. We carefully curate the home, and we personalize it so that way when you walk into your room, you know that that bed is only your bed. Mm. No one else has had that bed, that layout, that color scheme. It's just for you. And that goes a long way to someone who's never had anything of their own. Uniquely so, theirs. Uniquely theirs. So you have these people that are donating the furniture. You even have a service to pick up the furniture, which is going to be a big, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And especially when we have people who are emptying out an entire house, mm. an entire room, storage units. That's a really wonderful service that we can come and pick up those items. You guys don't give upholstered items used upholstered items to families, correct? That is correct. We do not. When you get couches and stuff like that that are still nice, that are still good, are you able, are those some of the things that you're able to sell and then you use those profits to buy other things? Yeah, is that so kind of that? Anything that comes, especially from a showroom, we are able to sell. And what's also really great is that we often have partners with other nonprofit agencies who will come and pick up those items because maybe they are able to use an upholstered item. Oh, okay. And so at one point, you know, City Square would come over and pick up the items that we weren't able to use, and then they could use it for their families. So a really big part of what we do is cutting down on just waste in general and making sure that we provide our resources to other nonprofits as I well. I was going to ask about that, maybe items that you just flat out don't accept, but what you're saying is you're going to take all of it and then you have different ways to deal with it. Yeah, it really just depends on the item. So let's say someone's getting rid of an entire home and there's a couch or two the deal is that we have to come get everything or nothing. Well, then we'll take the couch or two, and then we'll find another partner who okay. can use it. If families are listening and they actually want to take part in the services of Dwell with Dignity, how are they going to be able to go about that? 
So the best thing for a family to do is to go to our website and look at our partner agencies because you can't come off the street directly to you to guys. directly to us. Now, if they do reach out to us and they have a particular circumstance, we can connect them with an agency. Okay. And we've done that before. You know, we do have such great relationships that we can say, you know what, you need to go to Genesis or under one roof or promise house. Uh, but I do recommend that if they have access to a computer or internet, that they go look and see what we have listed as our partner agencies and kind of reach out to them. Let's finish up talking about volunteers. You guys always need volunteers, especially with the amount of work that you guys are putting in and people want to volunteer. How can they do that? And then what are some of the things that you guys need from them? So volunteers are a huge, huge part of what we do. So there's so many different volunteer opportunities. So what we start off with is by promoting our work days over at the warehouse. So those are Monday and Tuesday during the day and then Wednesday nights. So that's where you are actually using a sander, a paintbrush, creating the art, redoing the furniture. But then we also need people every, you know, basically every other week to come in and put the homes together. Mm. So that takes a lot of labor. I don't know the last time you moved, but unpacking all those boxes. Trying to forget. <laughs> Moving is a difficult task. And so putting everything together. And again, we, we start on a Tuesday and we let the family in on a Thursday. So we're turning this around in two days. And then we also need a lot of volunteers for Thrift Studio. Because volunteers are the ones who are out there helping merchandise, helping put things out on the floor, talking to clients as they come in and go shopping. So, yeah, it's a it's a big volunteer endeavor. If you want to be a part of this organization, we've been saying it a lot, but it's important. The website, dwellwithdignity.org. Once again, Thrift Studio, their big event happening Wednesday, April 1st at 6 p.m. over at the, inter, at the International at Turtle Creek. It's a, a great organization. I really thank enjoyed you. speaking with you. Ashley Agnew Sharp is their executive director. Uh, thank you for your time today, and I'd love to have you guys back. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the opportunity. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.